Welcome to Rocksteady, Express Newark at Rutgers University, Newark. This is the inaugural podcast that I hope will be the first of many conversations and interviews under the umbrella of Express Newark at Rutgers University, Newark. I imagine that many of you listening know about Express Newark, but for those of you who may not have been following closely during the past three to five years, Express Newark, which opened in January of 2017, is a space and a place where the arts live and breathe and grow in Newark. I'm Fran Bartkowski, the current director of Express Newark and a faculty member of the School of Arts and Sciences at Rutgers Newark, where I've worked since 1989. For this initial conversation, I invited our chancellor, Nancy Cantor, to be my guest, and she graciously accepted. After all, Express Newark was her baby. Her idea, when she first came to us as our inspirational leader in 2014. Many of you listening know Nancy Cantor well. Those of you who may be less proximate to our Rutgers Newark location may not be aware that Nancy is one of the leading voices in higher education in our country. Her commitment and dedication to social mobility for students and excellence and diversity in hiring and recruiting faculty, staff, and administrators is well known. Her history as a tireless and galvanizing advocate for accessibility to higher education has been with her since her years at the University of Michigan, to Syracuse University, to here at Rutgers Newark, where we knew our good fortune when she came on board more than six years ago. Express Newark lives in a building that had been boarded up for over 30 years and was being developed and renovated on Broad Street, New Street, and Halsey Street. Nancy had the vision and the force to lease three floors that would become Express Newark inside the new Haynes Building that retains the logo and name of decades past. I was moved to begin this project as a way for others to learn about what has been cooking in these precincts. The pandemic shut us all down in mid-March of this unforgettable year, but we all have seen evidence of how creative energies have been unleashed in the face of restrictions and constraints that do not shut down the urge and the urgencies of making art happen because we need it as much as food. It is water in our desert, a balm to our bearing up in these times unprecedented, strange, and stressful. As an anchor institution in Newark, Rutgers Newark and Express Newark are working to keep the ship harbored and hosting in virtual and remote ways initiatives and projects well underway in the past three years, and while transformed for the present, already finding creative solutions to new problems, to quote our new Dean of Arts and Sciences, Jackie Mattis, creative solutions to new problems that will carry us into our futures. Hence, the name of this podcast, Rocksteady. This space, this place, was once a department store, 
an emporium. Haynes returned, and there were people, publics, events, art events, traffic in the arts among those in the city and at the university. In the three years since the opening in January 2017, there have been memorable gatherings for openings of exhibitions, lectures, spoken word readings, and dance. Since mid-March, all the artists have continued to produce. To name some of the studios here, Humanities Action Lab, Newest Americans, Shine Portrait Studio, Paul Robeson Galleries, Form Design Studio, Visual Means, Design Consortium, Express, New Arts Justice, Artistic Passion and Purpose. And I hope we'll be talking to some of the directors of those studios in the coming weeks and months. So it has not been dormant in these times, if anything, the role of the arts in the pandemic and this movement for racial equity and the landscape both those things have produced. Artists have been fervent in their engagement in Express Newark, continuing to envision the future of this unique space and the buzz and hum and a vibe, we might say, of things happening in our city that are as galvanizing as Newark's history has ever been. I want to quote from something I read recently from Legacy Russell, a great name, and a curator at the Studio Museum of Harlem. He asked, what an emotionally intelligent future for institutions can be. I'd like to keep this in mind in our conversation today, an emotionally intelligent future for institutions. So Nancy, welcome. I hope you're as glad to be here as I am to have you here. Oh, thank you, Fran. I am just so glad to be here because especially in this pandemic moment, Express Newark is, is home. It's, it's safe, but safe in, in an active way. It's not, it's not a resigning to the pandemic. It's a taking hold and a saying that, that we need to go forward. Mm-hmm. Emotionally intelligent future. I love that. Yeah, isn't that yeah. beautiful? Uh, you know, it was in an article in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago when I was first thinking about this, and it just leaped off the page for me, Um, given everything we know about emotional intelligence and how critical that is to learning and being and doing, and to bring that idea to the notion of institutions being emotionally intelligent, you know? Well, and the notion that we're not going back to some status quo. That's right. We're going to some new normal that we hope is more emotionally intelligent as individuals, but as institutions, too. Yeah, and, you know, I I said to you, and I'm thinking about this podcast going forward, that the arc of my conversations or interviews will start in our present because it's what we're in, it's where we always are, but it's also what we're struggling to be in, in ways that feel as full and rich and alive as possible. And then I'd like to sort of cast back to the past three to five years and then come back around to thinking about our future. So would you be willing to talk some about your own 
personal experience of this present as well as your, I have some notion of how your professional life has been transformed, going from in-person and traveling all over the world to being relegated to the many screens. Um, and I'm sure maybe more people have been able to hear from you because we're all sitting still in one place. But could you talk first in any way you feel comfortable about the personal aspect of this time, six months in now? Well, you know, I find this time so unnerving, but not in the standard way. It's unnerving, of course, in that it's uncertain, and it's unnerving in that we spent endless hours on Zoom planning what we could do, and then the whole thing changes week to week. So unnerving in that sense. But but for me personally, it's unnerving because it's that feel of other people mm. and that energy. I mean, it's exactly what Express Noor really stands for, a space, a place where that energy comes forward. And you can't capture that as my friend Marcia Johnson always says, you can't capture that just on a virtual mm. space. Mm. I mean, yes, you can see one individual's energy and it pops around on the Zoom screen, but you can't capture that interactive dynamism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I always think of... of walking the halls of Express Newark when it when people are of all ages and generations are here, when people are wandering in and out to the Shine Photo Studio from the community, when when, you know, the newer print shop was doing its its intergenerational print classes on a Saturday and and you'd have this sense of dynamism, this sense of a very palpable sense of learning mm -hmm. as well as producing. Right. Learning, making, creating, exactly. inventing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think we're, we're all trying to capture that in our, in our many Zoom interactions. But, and we're probably getting better at that, I, I guess, over time. Mm -hmm. but, um, but I also find in this moment... And I think it's it's partly speaks to the national divisive landscape that that both myself and others are more snippy, more more on edge, more ready to jump and not as forgiving. And, you know, just to circle to the arts and creative expression, I mean, there's a forgiveness forgiveness to mm -hmm. the arts, even mm -hmm. when it's producing and talking about something that is difficult and torturous and painful. But there's a, always a sort of humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that sounds so cliche, but a, but mm -hmm. a, a forgiveness to it, a real um, arms around you, we're in it together. Mm. Even when we're opposed to each other violently, we're, we're, we're there together in right. a space. Right. And the other thing, when you were talking about how 
people have come together in the face of this, not the not the rough edges and the sort of easy irritability, but the opposite of that. Um, you know, I hadn't been into Newark since the 16th of March until I came in for the day of the painting of the street murals. And that was a sight to behold, an event to behold. Everybody, everybody came out to Halsey Street and Market and, you know, children with their parents from the city. Um, of course, so many of our students in graphic design were involved, faculty, the mayor's office. I mean, that project, um, and I'm hoping in future podcasts to talk to some of the folks who were deeply involved in that from the mayor's office and you know, the kind of the person who took Isaac Jimenez, who took some of the drone photography of the street murals, which is just beautiful. Um, and that day was just momentous and unforgettable in terms of, you know, what's happening in Newark, in the arts. And we know there was a New York Times article not very long ago that touted all kinds of things going on here in the city. Many of those people supported and attached to Express Newark. And, you know, in addition to that, I saw an article recently about Newark's success around COVID and Absolutely. how smartly things had been done here. A model, a model. But, you know, I, I was actually thinking about the, the mural production day when when I was talking about the dynamics of, of this and the coming together, precisely because what was so amazing about those murals and what is so amazing about them is they don't mince words. I mean, that's art as an expression that is in your face. It's the same thing with the protests in Newark that were, you know, the mayor, our great artistic leaner, is not allowing people to say, we won't do the Civilian Review Board now. There are particular, particular projects that don't mince words, that we keep at it. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the role that Express Newark and the arts community much more broadly than even Express Newark can have, in the anti-violence work, in the restorative justice work, I think about the fact that it's a no mincing of words. It's a pure, in-your-face expression, but again, one that has humanity woven through it. It has a steadfastness. I mean, that's Newark, a steadfastness over generations steadfastness. I like that. So we've talked some about um, how this present moment has changed your sense of place. Um, but you've often and always spoken uh, about how we are in and of Newark. And I think, you know, so many of us have taken that phrase to heart, echo it, and, you know, speak it wherever we go, whether we're 
in and of it or elsewhere and speaking about it. Um, I wa I'd like to ask you to reflect on the origins of Express Newark, um, because one of the questions I had um, was, how did it get its name? Well, so let me, I'll get to how it got its name, yeah. but let me, let me think about your notion about space and place, mm -hmm. right? Which mm -hmm. I think, for me, the origins of Express Newark is precisely the notion that we are in and of Newark, that we are not just haphazardly here. So we needed the intelligence, the intergenerational activity, the change makers, the artistic creations to be in a place and a space, what I like to call a third space, that isn't us, it isn't them, it's all of us of Newark together. And so for me, the origins were very much experiences. We all have our own personal experiences of place and space and how it, it creates something, right? And it lets loose artistic creation and place. I grew up in New York City and, and the, the worlds that would be in the subway were as artistic as anything you and creative you could get. And I took the subway to school every day, and, and it was the world right there creating. And that's what I think of when I thought about could we take space, and it wasn't just me, of course, it was our whole team, but could we take space in the Haynes Building, this, this classic reinvention of what had become an empty space, which had been a thriving space. James Vanderzee of the Harlem Renaissance had his start in Express Newark, I'm told. Mm -hmm. If we think about it in the past as this thriving space, and then it was empty for all those over 30 years, and then it was being reinvented as a thriving space. And the architecture was being kept to have that historical continuity. But we could be all new. We could be all different. So for me, personally, it harkened back to something we did at Syracuse and in Syracuse and again of Syracuse. Mark Robbins, who was the dean of architecture at the time, found this old empty warehouse in downtown Syracuse and said, Nancy, could we, could we take that over? Could it become the architecture school? Could it become a space and a place for our anchor institution work in downtown Syracuse? And it became exactly that, with galleries and all kinds of things, different than Express Newark, but the same idea in a sense, that space becomes a progenitor of social infrastructure. You know, I, I often tell the story that earlier, earlier, earlier in my career, when I was um, helping the National Science Foundation engineering directorate on a project they had on civil infrastructure, and they brought me in as a social psychologist to talk about 
the legit how do you create legitimacy of civil infrastructure and i remember sitting there saying what's civil infrastructure what's your technical definition and they said they looked at me very seriously and said large things attached to the ground <laughs> and i have forever <laughs> i have forever cherished that notion that large things attached to the ground become a platform for legitimacy of community and social interaction. And when I and Peter Englund and Ann Englund came from Syracuse to Rutgers-Newark, and everybody on the Rutgers-Newark team, Marsha Brown and everybody that was there was talking about identity of Rutgers Newark, the legitimacy of Rutgers Newark as a as an anchor force in Newark, but a but not a force in a clobber you way, a force in a trusted partner way. It seemed to us that a renovation of space for artistic production and creative expression in an old magnificent building being revitalized was precisely the platform for large things attached to the ground that would be a statement about being anchored in and of the city. Thank you. Um, it, you you've touched on a couple of my questions, and I wonder if you'd like to say any more the the in and of love how you further framed that the third space if you'd care to say more though i think you put it very economically but especially the anchor institution i think again people listening who are in our world have heard much about this but i'm hoping that this will go out into wider worlds and that phrase may not resonate in ways that we know so well um, and you know, this notion of the anchor was part of my metaphor of the ship in harbor hosting events like this and others. So, you know, anchor institution is really, in some ways, a very simple concept and in some ways incredibly rich and dynamic as a concept. And I know I keep talking about dynamic, but that is, to me, the critical right. juncture of creative expression and and innovation, that it is dynamic. Right, that it's so, not just holding so the something paradox, down. Exactly. Right. So mm -hmm. the paradox of an anchor institution, whether it's a university or a hospital or a performing arts center or Express Newark, the paradox of it is that it is anchored. It is stable. It is sustained. It's not just up and going somewhere. It's not just haphazardly located where it is. It takes its identity from being of where it is. But it also then has the paradoxical responsibility of changing with the place that it is anchored in. Mm. So, mm. which is particularly important at this moment if there's anything that characterizes a pandemic, it's that it changes everything. It changes the normal, but it also 
creates waves of opportunity for a new normal, for re-envisioning. Well, that's what an anchor institution at its best does. It partners, it collaborates, it creates possibilities, but it also harkens backwards to the identity of the place that it has been nourished by. So it isn't just that it happens to be located in Newark, New Jersey. It's that we are who we are as an institution because we are of Newark, New Jersey. And part of that for a university, and certainly for Rutgers, Newark, is that we are committed to the people and the new generations of Newarkers. That's why I love Express Newark, because those little kids come through here, and those older folks like me come through here, and there's a rubbing together. So the notion of a third space and of an anchor go together, because a third space is not owned by either an institution or a particular community or a particular set of people. A third space is a co-creation space. It's where you've got to put aside your institutional affiliation and be together, come together. That goes right back to this notion of an emotionally intelligent, institutional ways of being and thinking and co-creating. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And, you know, one of the questions I had for you that you've kind of come to in the course of this conversation was about was to ask you to talk about um, the how important the arts are for you, given that your training is as a social psychologist, okay? So I love what you already said about being on the subway in New York in your youth, and also what you said about being asked to talk to the engineers about civil infrastructure, right? right? Uh, uh, something attached to the ground. So it brings that sort of in and of and the anchor as both a holding place, but also a place prepared to shift and change. So Nancy, um, can we talk some about some of the most memorable, beautiful, exciting, dynamic things you've seen happen since January 2017? I certainly remember the grand opening. So I remember the grand opening, but I also love the little times, right? So I remember being in here, um, and the young kids were in the Newark print shop, and they were doing their productions. And I remember being in Shine Portrait Studio when people were coming in and out, dressed in these fabulous outfits and and getting this amazing photos done. And I remember Deborah Willis's exhibit, and I remember the closets, and I remember the jazz material. Nina Simone's, I think it was Nina Simone, maybe not. Somebody's dress. Well, I, I think it was Sarah Vaughan. Or, yeah, or maybe, no. No. Oh, no, it was. It was Ella Fitzgerald. Ella Fitzgerald. It was Ella Fitzgerald's right, exactly. dress and Miles Davis's right. trumpet. <laughs> Those stand out, yeah. But I also remember walking in Carrie's design studio and 
the, the productions that scientists were doing of 3D design forms. And I remember just people in the newest Americans just producing these stories that broke your heart at one level and gave you faith that despite the despicable policies that were being forced on immigrant communities, there was so much strength there, so much voice, that it would go forward no matter what. And that those stories capture, and they've done it now with students in, in the schools in Newark to capture the stories of their families' experience of the pandemic. And you know, you know that there is nothing to convince the political landscape more about the need for America to be a welcoming place than to listen to those stories and those voices. And I remember, I just remember that sense of sitting in the halls of Express Newark and watching one of the videos coming off Newest Americans and just feeling like, yeah, yeah, the civil infrastructure has produced a social expression that will be listened to, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of what you were saying reminds me of uh, a brief exchange yesterday with your dear friend and colleague and mine, Sherry Ann Butterfield, about how we can bend but we cannot break. Absolutely. In the face of so many circumstances we are faced with. Every day there is a new... A new circumstance, as oh. you say, and I'll try to control yeah. my, my rhetoric, but... Let's both but, do that. But on the other hand, there's control and there's expression, right? right. And we're back to the, the paradoxes of Express Newark, and that is it is both a place to express in your face what is happening and a place to reach out and say... We'll get there. We'll be okay. We will go beyond that. Yes, and that, you know, I mean, one of the things, if you will, that the pandemic has given us, so to speak, it's forced us to slow down and think about what to make next, what has to happen next, what has to come next. And that's really part of what led me to think about doing this podcast and catching the creatives and the folks in positions like yours to talk about how it is that this time that has forced us to slow down or to deal with constraints or limitations, how has it led the creative energies to emerge nevertheless, to emerge in new ways, and to address um, the new problems, as it were, creatively. Slow down? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think all yeah. of us feel like we're working harder than we ever have exactly. in a remote yeah. environment. Right. But in those moments when we're not working on Zoom or in offices or at our desks, for me personally, there are these 
idle moments where in the past you might have said, well, I think I'll go somewhere today. Maybe I'll see a movie. Maybe I'll go to a museum. Well, that kind of turning inward to our own resources and that bringing some of the creative energy to to fruit, to fruition. Um, would you care to say a few things in our sort of closing time about what you'd love to see here when the world is right side up again in 2021 sometime? Well, you know, the thing I always um, say to myself about when I when I use the notion of civil infrastructure, of large things attached to the ground, is I always say to myself, what I want for the future of Express Newark, which builds on what amazing work that Anne Englott and Victor Davson and everybody who was here created in this wonderful space since 2017, now that we've energized this civil infrastructure attached to the ground, I want it to move. I want it to jump up and be in the Westport and jump up and create wings that spread and bring, continue to bring people into this wonderful space of co-creation and then continue to send it out send it out and connect outside. I love the street mural for a million reasons, but not the least of which is that it's going out there. The work that was done in Fairmount and the switching station, the incredible murals there, that the, you know, one thing the pandemic did is our jazz poetry collaboration with N.J. Pack and our our MFA poets um, created a virtual summer camp of young voices in jazz poetry that was remarkable. Well, that can be in every place around the city. It can be there virtually now, but it can be there physically. So I love this sort of juxtaposition of thinking of this large building stuck to the ground, sustainable, here forever, committed to Newark forever, and then the the wings, the wings. tentacles going out there and the people, the generations that flow. I, of course, always look to the role that Express Newark can play in educating the next generation in its voice and its potential artistic creation, its its stories, its its poems, its jazz, its its sense of itself, its narrative, and how you send it happens here and you send it out, mm -hmm. and then it comes back here and it informs the next generation, and we change things, but we keep that resilience. Um, you know, I always look back to um, our dear, dear Clem Price and his notion that all roads lead to Newark. I want all roads to lead to Express Newark, and I want the highway from Express Newark to lead out and outward and to resonate 
all across this amazing global city. That is a beautiful place to close our conversation, and it could go on and on, but well, I think those are wonderful closing words. It has been such fun. Thank you so much Thank for you. taking on this challenge for the first go-round of Rocksteady at Express Newark at Rutgers University Newark.